Hello, everybody. Good afternoon, and welcome to the For Good Measure podcast. I am your host. My name is Rob Burgoyne, and welcome to episode one. This is the first episode we have done and will be doing. And today, what that will entail is a first round NFL mock draft with all 32 teams. So, without any further ado, let's get right into it. I know you guys are as excited as I am as draft season approaches us, and hopefully, your favorite teams can make a pick or make a jump or make a move to help satisfy your stance as a fan going forward to help support that team all right so first pick in the 2020 nfl draft belongs to the cincinnati bengals and i think this is a pretty no-brainer here they're gonna go joe burrow quarterback at lsu um i think it's a great pick i think if you're the bengals it's it's a pretty no-brainer pick you can't miss the guy's gonna be a great leader he has great ability great skills Uh, He can make all the throws. I mean, he can make deep ball throws. He has the touch throws. He fits it in areas that a lot of quarterbacks can't seem to do as well. Um, So I think here you go, Burrow. Call it a day. You take your franchise quarterback. Get your offense going in a direction that you want, you know, as the head coach and uh, as the, the philosophy entails. And I think he'll lead that team. And eventually they'll actually start surprising a lot of people. And they'll they'll be rather good rather quickly with Burrow at the helm. So yeah, easy pick for them. Moving on to number two, Washington Redskins. I think this is another no-brainer. I think you take defensive end Chase Young, Ohio State. The guy is the most powerful, quickest pass rusher in the draft. I mean, he's just an athletic freak. I mean, the guy looks almost like LeBron James playing defensive end out there. So I think this is an easy pick for the Washington Redskins. You know, Riverboat Ron, he loves the defensive side of the ball. He loves building the defense. They already have some nice pieces there. They took Montez Sweat last year, who's an edge rusher. So I think you get another one here, and then you start bolstering that pass rush for a division that is gonna be uh, that's gonna be needed in that division. I mean, you're gonna you have a lot of young quarterbacks. You already have Wentz and Prescott, who are pretty pretty good. I'd say they they're definitely top 15 around that range. So you got to get pressure on the quarterback, and the only way that's gonna help the Redskins do that immediately is getting Chase Young number two. And that brings us to number three. And now before I get into the number three pick, I just got to say that I've seen a lot of, a lot, a lot of people going with the same pick here. And for me, you know, I'm not an expert analyst. I'm just doing this on my own time, on my own research. But uh, I'm just going to point out something fairly obvious that I think people are forgetting. I don't think you trade a top five corner in the league to then use your top five pick and draft a corner that you honestly have no idea if he's going to be at the level or potentially better than Darius Slay was. I just don't see the sense in that. I don't see the Lions drafting Okuda 3. And for that reason, I have them taking Isaiah Simmons here. And the reason for that is if you're the Lions, you're you're kind of almost craving, even when you had Slay. I mean, you were bottom three in the pass defense. Uh, you, were, you were pretty terrible in pass rush. I mean, you're craving for a defensive playmaker if you're the Detroit Lions. I mean, you need a guy that can step in, make an impact, get some guy's energy up around him. Um, Simmons' athletic ability and versatility, being able to play three positions, being linebacker, safety, and slot corner, is kind of unheard of in this draft. And I think for that reason, Okuda just does not make any sense for the Lions here. You got to take the best defensive prospect, I think, in the draft, and that's definitely Simmons as far as ceiling and upside. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm having the Lions take Isaiah Simmons here. I don't buy the Jeffrey Okuda thing for one bit. Doesn't make sense. Uh, I mean, they just signed Marcus Trufant. I know who's not a great 
corner as far as you know top 10 ability or anything like that but i don't think you sign a corner you trade a corner and then draft a corner all within a month's time frame that just does not make much sense to me if any so yeah i have isaiah simmons going to the lions at three again personal opinion yours may differ that brings us to number four and number four is interesting for me because it's the new york giants and i know the new york giants have been rumored to pretty much ensuring that they're going to be drafting an offensive tackle, which I agree with 100%. I think investing your last two first-round top five picks in Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones is is definitely uh, warranted to get some protection for those guys and, and hold their health uh, up to the highest possible standard by protecting them with guys around them that can play very well and, and be efficient. Uh, in case you didn't know, last year, Nate Soldier left tackle for the Giants allowed 11 sacks singularly. 11 sacks. I mean, that's just not going to get it done at any level. The guy's also aging. Um, it's clearly that the system fit from the Patriots to the Giants is not really working out that well for him. And for this reason, I think the Giants would try to trade back. But in my draft, I have no takers moving up to four. So I'm going to have the Giants stamp hat here and I'm going to have them take Andrew Thomas, left tackle out of Georgia. I do believe he is the most uh, pro ready, excuse me, most talented left tackle right now in the draft immediately. And I think that's a great boost for the line, great boost for Daniel Jones, great boost for Saquon Barkley. And that's that's really the direction you should go if you're the Giants, I think. Complete that offense, make sure you're getting guys around your quarterback, preserve his health, and then worry about the rest later. You're not going to win within the next two years anyways. So take it slow, get your guys where you need them. And I think Andrew Thomas is the perfect pick for that reason here. All right, moving on to number five and the Miami Dolphins. Now, I've seen a lot of people like Mel Kuyper rumoring that they're going to take Herbert with concerns over to a... Uh, I don't get it. I'm just going to be frank here. The Miami Dolphins are like the Giants. They know they're not going to win within the next two, three years. Okay. And that being the case, I don't see why you would take more of a pro style ready quarterback as Herbert. I think you take Tua and you let him sit a year. You let the injuries can injury concerns kind of wear themselves out by showing that he's in in, uh, good shape and health. Let him sit for a year. You know, you, you gain draft capital so that you can keep building your team and you have the quarterback of the future. And I think if we're being objective here, I mean, I really like Herbert, but I do think Tua has that it factor that Herbert may not have as far as just extending the plays, uh, doing special things. You know, Herbert is more a prototypical quarterback, which is not wrong or, or bad by any means, but Tua is just a little more exciting. And I think Miami would need that excitement to try and get their hopes up of, you know, being a great uh, team and great franchise again, as they once were. And with that, uh, bringing us to number six, I do have the Los Angeles Chargers taking Justin Herbert here. Uh, listen, if, if you're confident that Tyrod Taylor is going to be your starter for 16 games, more power to you, man. But I can't buy that or believe that when they benched Tyrod Taylor after, I believe, four or five games on the Browns. I mean, this is the Browns we're talking about compared to the Chargers. If we're looking at rosters over the last five years, the Chargers have had a lot better roster on both sides of the ball, a lot more talent, and they've been more successful than the Browns. So if you're telling me the Browns don't have the patience to stick it out more than four games with Tyrod Taylor, I really, really, really doubt that the Chargers will themselves, especially with how playoff ready they are on both sides of the ball and all the talent they have. I mean... You're talking about guys like uh, Keenan Allen, um, Joey Bosa, uh, Derwin James, Dwayne Casey. I mean, these are all top guys at their position. Uh, You throw a quarterback in there like Herbert, and in my opinion, they're already playoff ready right now. Uh, So whether, you know, Tyrod 
Tyrod Taylor starts six games, eight games. I definitely believe Justin Herbert is the pick here for the Chargers. Get your franchise quarterback, whether he starts this year immediately or later in the season. That's to be determined, but you get your guy going forward that you're confident in that can potentially bridge the gap of uh, making you the best team in the AFC West along with the Chiefs. I mean, that's what the Chargers have been right there. You know, that's what everyone's been hoping for. So maybe they can do it. All right. Number seven, Carolina Panthers. Now, this is a situation where before I did have the Panthers trying to trade up to four with the Giants. I think it's a scenario that would work out both for perfect of them. uh, Sorry, work out perfectly for both of them. But at the same time, the Carolina does not have a lot of draft capital, and I don't think they're willing to give up picks with a new regime change. I think Rule wants to, you know, get his guys in there and and draft his guys that he likes to start building that. Uh, I do think here that if you're Carolina, it works out perfectly because at seven, you need you need a corner. If you're Carolina, I've seen the Derek Brown, you know, I've seen the Javon Kinlaw rumors. I don't buy it. Their run defense was not bad last year. Their pass defense was abysmal. They have the receivers. They have the division with the best receivers in the NFL. You have Julio Thomas. You have Calvin Ridley. You have Michael Thomas. You have Emmanuel Sanders. You have Mike Evans. You have Chris Godwin. And now, may I add, newly added Rob Gronkowski on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So with that being said, if you're the Carolina Panthers and you don't look at a corner here when Okuda's on the board, I think you have to be absolutely out of your mind. You have to have a shutdown corner in that division with all the talented wide receivers that are there. This pick falls in their lap. I don't think you can literally ask for any more. Jeff Okuda, seventh to the Carolina Panthers, I think is probably the easiest pick anyone will have to make in this draft if it falls to that. Arizona Cardinals at number eight, and this is another one. Um, Arizona Cardinals, they do need defense. I mean, they have talented players. I really like Buda Baker, Chris Jones. They have some, excuse me, Chandler Jones. Um, they have some very talented players on defense. But in my opinion, I think the perfect pick here is Tristan Wirfs, right tackle um, out of Iowa. And the reason being is that you invested your first overall pick in Kyler last year. You wouldn't do that if you weren't confident with his ability to lead you as a franchise and as a player to the promised land. And what do you need to do that? You need protection. Kyler Murray was one of, if not the most, I believe, sacked quarterbacks in the league last year. Well, what does that mean? You got to bolster the line. You got to get guys around him to protect him. You got to get guys to give him time to extend the plays, to look at his reads and not always rely on his legs so that he doesn't have an injury risk factor there going forward. So I think Tristan Wirfs here is the perfect pl- uh, perfect play, perfect player. He's a, he's a monster in the trenches. He's a great right tackle, probably the pure best right tackle in the draft. So if you're Arizona, you take Tristan Wirfs, you call it a day, you protect Kyler Murray. And going forward, you're pretty excited about the potential of your offense going forward with DeAndre Hopkins and all those guys there as well. Jacksonville Jaguars at number nine and this is another interesting one I think this pick can go a multitude of ways seeing a lot of people having the Jacksonville Jaguars selecting Jerry Judy here Um, again this is kind of like the Okuda pick with the Lions I I don't really agree with that and I'll tell you why Jacksonville has lost Calais Campbell and I believe they lost uh, whether it was Malik Jackson or the other defensive tackle they had and Ngakwe is is obviously having a pity party right now with the management he's looking like he's not going to play so in other words if you're Jacksonville your defensive line from two years ago that was once elite is now completely decimated 
okay and you could take jerry judy here i mean I, i probably wouldn't disagree with it you definitely could but if you're the jacksonville jaguars i just don't see the sense in that i mean dd westbrook is a pretty solid receiver he's you know he's not the top end he's not the best of the best but he's he's good he's reliable um shark had a great year last year i mean the guy had over a thousand yards really broke out showed what he's capable of um now whether that's to be repeated or not of course you know that's a tough thing to do so i could definitely um, understand some hesitancy there if you weren't super sold on the fact that shark could repeat but you have some talented guys and also if you're the jacksonville jaguars you have the 20th pick and you have the 42nd pick so you should very well be able to get a receiver at one of those two spots if you're very high on someone and you still would not be getting a bottom of the barrel receiver this is going to be a top premier talent guy just not likes of a judy or a lamb or you know a jefferson or rugs type of a a playmaker you would get be looking more at like a rager or a mims those kind of guys which nothing is wrong with but i think if you're jacksonville perfect pick here is Derek Brown defensive tackle out of Auburn you need a guy up front you need to start rebuilding that line and I think if he falls to you here at nine in my opinion now this is my opinion Derek Brown is the most immediate impact ready player in the draft and what does that mean that means that depending on which team he goes to he's going to step in and he's going to perform right away he's going to act like he's been in the league already for a year two three years I mean the guy is physically gifted he is smart He's talented. He's arguably the best defensive lineman in the draft. It just depends what you look for. You know, if you want pass rush, obviously Chase Young is your guy. If you want run clogging, uh, disruption on the line, then Derek Brown is definitely your guy. So I think Jacksonville takes Derek Brown here. Easy decision for them. Don't even think you take 30 seconds for the pick if he's there at nine. You just throw it in and get the best defensive lineman in the draft or 1B defensive lineman in the draft. All right, number 10, Cleveland Browns. And... Cleveland Browns are an interesting team here at 10. I could see them doing a lot of things. I could see them trading out. I could see them um, maybe, well, potentially up until today when the reports broke that they're no longer pursuing it. I thought that maybe Cleveland could trade the 10th pick to the Redskins for Trent Williams. I mean, that would have kind of been a reach, but wouldn't have been all that much of a reach to get a dominant left tackle that's already established. But uh, with the 10th pick and have them keeping it here, I think they're going to go with Mekhi Becton. They signed Jack, uh, Jack Conklin at right tackle. They're really trying to solidify that line. And Becton is just, he, he's kind of a question mark in the sense of that he's young. He's very raw. And obviously he has the asterisk with the drug stuff now. But man, his physical size and his ability to just pancake people is is got to be exciting for the Browns. I mean, his pass protection is, is very good as well. Uh, run blocking, not so much. But I don't think you're concerned about run blocking. Last year, the Browns were not a bad run offense team they actually were very efficient when they decided to run the ball with Chubb it was their pass blocking and their pass protection that really failed them at times and let Baker get put on his you know backside uh, for being sacked so much so I think you take Mekhi Becton here uh, even with the slip-ups I think getting him at 10 is a great pick his size his ability I mean the guy the guy ran uh, the fastest 40 out of any offensive lineman and faster than some defensive ends and, and other guys I mean that's just crazy I think his athletic ability alone makes you excited if you're the Cleveland Browns whether you think he may be a bust or not I, I mean 364 pounds and 6'7 that guy is a monster so I think you got to get him on the left side Baker would definitely appreciate it pretty easy pick it just really for me depends on which lineman the Browns like here you know they could like Ezra Cleveland they could like Austin Jackson they could like Jedrick Wills but I just don't think Jedrick Wills is the pick here even though I do think he's one of the best linemen 
he's more so a right tackle that you would have to adjust to playing left tackle. So it, it would be a little bit different of a scenario there. So I do think Mekhi Beckton is the pick 10 Cleveland Browns. Now, uh, 11th, New York Jets. The New York Jets have been known to mess up some picks in the past. This is nothing new. Um, but I think here you, you can't mess this up. I think you would be completely foolish if you're the Jets to have Jerry Judy standing you in the, staring you in the face and not take him at 11. Now, personally, I do like CeeDee Lamb more. That's my opinion. But I think it's also for fits, right? So Jerry Judy going to the Jets is a better fit, in my opinion, because Darnold needs that kind of a security net, that kind of safety blanket, that good route runner where he could put the ball somewhere and he's trust he's going to trust the receiver's going to go and get it or he's going to trust the receiver's going to make a play on it so that the corner or safety you know, won't intercept it. Um, Lamb is a little bit better after the catch. He's more so a guy you want to schematically make plays for and get the ball in his hands so that he can do his best thing. And I just think, again, I just think it's fits. I think Judy with Darnold is a better fit as far as just a reliability factor and having a guy that's that's a good route runner that you know is going to be where you're delivering the ball at. So I do have the Jets taking Jerry Judy here, wide receiver Alabama. Um, again, I think Lamb is the best personally, but it's just a fit. You know, it just it just depends where where I think or anyone else thinks that they're going to they're going to have the best career that they can there. And I think for Judy, that is the Jets. I, I, I do believe that. And bringing us to 12, the Las Vegas Raiders, I have them taking C.D. Lamb. And the reason for that is is kind of vice versa. Um, Derek Carr, you know, for him to be his best self, you need to get the ball out of his hands quickly. Okay, and what do you do with that? You get a receiver who can be electric after the catch and can make plays after the catch. So I think scenario-wise, schematically-wise, Lamb is a better fit for Las Vegas and Judy for New York. So I, I do have them going there. Um, that brings us to 13, and this is actually my first trade of the draft. So knowing the Niners and knowing that we do need a third, you know, second or third or fourth round pick, uh, I have a perfect scenario here. And look who has not come off the board yet, and it just so happens to be the Atlanta Falcons guy. So I have the Atlanta Falcons jumping up from 16 to 13 and trading the 16th and 78th pick to Atlanta. We give the 13th and 210th pick back and Atlanta selects CJ Henderson, cornerback out of Florida with the 13th pick. They get their guy and we kind of move back, acquire another pick and still be in the range of getting the guy we want, whether it would be a Ruggs, Justin Jefferson, Ken Law, etc. Um, 14 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think this is the easiest pick in the draft for anybody aside from, like I said, if, if Simmons falls to, uh, or excuse me, if Okuda falls to Carolina. Um, and that's going to be Jedrick Wills, uh, offensive tackle to Tampa Bay. Look, you got Tom, you got all the weapons. You need to protect your franchise. You need to protect, uh, Tampa. <laughs> you need to have someone there that's that's athletic, raw, that can play two positions. And Jedrick Wills is often, uh, arguably the best offensive tackle in the draft. So it's a can't-miss pick here if you're Tampa Bay. Going on to 15, and that's the Denver Broncos. Excuse me. And the Denver Broncos are an interesting team. I mean, they can use offensive line help. But, I mean, aside from Court and Sutton, I'm really not too excited about the receiving core. And if you're going to throw Drew Locke in there... I think you got to have some guys around him. I mean, you got the running backs, you got Royce Freeman, you got Philip Lindsay, you got Melvin Gordon. Well, where's the receivers? You don't, you know, you don't really have any. You have uh, a tight end and Cortland Sutton, and that's it. So I think the perfect pick here, if you're the Denver Broncos, I think you go Henry Ruggs, wide receiver, Alabama. I think you want to try and take the top off the defense. He's definitely different than Sutton, which is a great thing, um, opposite of him. 
And, you know, if the Broncos still have a good defense. So if they could just get that offense up a little bit, score some more points, they're going to be a, a good contending team again. So I think Ruggs can help them do that. He also can provide some trickery, flair, speed that the Broncos are severely lacking that they do not have. That brings us to 16. And again, I had Atlanta and San Francisco swap picks. So this will be San Francisco's pick at 16. Um, listen, I have a preference here, okay? <laughs> um, being a Niners fan myself, uh, we, we've selected a lot of defensive linemen recently. Not that that's a bad thing because obviously some have worked out for us, such as Bosa last year. That was a great pick. But um, I think, just in my opinion, I don't think you draft a defensive player here. I think you need a receiver. You need a guy that you can trust that is going to be opposite Debo and Kittle. And what guy is that? I think Justin Jefferson is the perfect guy. Wide receiver, LSU. Uh, a lot of people will be concerned, you know, one year wonder, um, did have a great one year, his, his previous freshman year, not so much, but I think that's more attributed to the quarterback play, uh, strictly that, I mean, you're playing with Joe Burrow one year and without him another, I think the numbers will speak for themselves there, especially LSU's history of terrible quarterback play up until last year. Dallas Cowboys at 17, and this is an interesting one. I can have them trading out, um, just based off of the positions that cornerbacks are falling. I don't think that you would really be reaching for one at 17, but you'd really also not be getting some great value. But without uh, without them being able to acquire a trade, I have Dallas standing put here and having them taking Christian Fulton, cornerback LSU. Um, I do like Fulton's game. I don't think he's the third best corner in the draft, personally, even though he's being selected as the third corner. But um, it's really a toss-up. I mean, it's really who you like. Jalen Johnson, Christian Fulton, Jeff Gladney, A.J. Terrell. Um, all these guys, I think, are right there about Tier 2, right below Okuda and Henderson. I think Henderson and Okuda are 1A. Um, so I think Christian Fulton would be a good pick. I mean, Dallas needs cornerback help. Again, that, that division, they are getting a little better offensively, so you need to bolster that defense and make sure you're stopping these teams. Um, Dallas Christian Fulton, cornerback LSU at 17. And that brings us to 18, which is the Miami Dolphins. And I think I have the, not sorry, not I think. I have the Miami Dolphins actually making a great pick here. And that's Austin Jackson, offensive tackle out of USC. Um, very young, very versatile, great, great pass protector. And I think the reason it makes perfect sense here to take Austin Jackson at 18 rather than maybe Ezra Cleveland or Josh Jones or some of those other guys, is he's very young. Uh, I think that's a perfect scenario to pair him with another young player in Tua Tagovailoa. Uh, excuse me <laughs> for mispronouncing your name, Tua. Uh, because, you know, they can grow together. You're not going to be worrying about Austin Jackson's young develop uh, potential developmental issues if he's not being rushed to play at the highest possible level because you're not competing as a team. So if you take time to build the line and build the offense and, and everything, you can get that continuity between an Austin Jackson and a Tua, which I think is great. And also the guy's versatile. I mean, don't forget Tua is a left-handed quarterback. It's not the traditional left tackle that's going to be protecting his blind side. It's a right tackle. So whether you take that left tackle and swap him to right tackle and maybe work on his footwork to uh, adjust accordingly, you are taking a right tackle essentially as your left tackle for a Tua. And I think Jackson has that versatility where he could potentially play a right tackle in a couple of years. Not right away, of course. He's young. He's raw. 
but in a couple of years if they wanted to translate him to that role. So I, I do like that pick there. I think he's going to surprise people, and I think Austin Jackson will be going higher than a lot of people anticipate or expect just based off his athletic ability and his pure pass-blocking ability. He is one of the best pass-blocking tackles in the draft. Bringing us to 19, this is an interesting pick. I have the Las Vegas Raiders before. I had them selecting my guy, Kenneth Murray. And reason being is they do need a linebacker. But as of late, I've been seeing Javon Kinlaw slipping in the draft. And it's not due to his talent. This guy is a great player. It's just due to the guys and the needs in front of him. And I think if you're the Raiders here at 19, it'd be awfully hard to pass up Javon Kinlaw. So I do have them taking Javon Kinlaw, defensive tackle, South Carolina. I just don't think, I mean, even if positional need, you know, you need a linebacker if you're the Raiders, no doubt. But Javon Kinlaw is a potential top 10 talent in this draft. I don't think you can pass on him if he falls to you at 19. I just don't. Um, And if you didn't take him there, another team for sure would jump up, I think, to 20 or uh, 22, 23. And, and take him because he's just going to be a steal if he falls based off of the board the way it, uh, based off of the way the board is going. Sorry. Number twenty, Jacksonville Jaguars, and now I have them taking my guy Kenneth Murray, linebacker, Oklahoma. I think it's a great fit. Uh, he will come in and he will just be a tackling machine. He'll plug the holes. He can play some man coverage. He can play zone. He can get after the quarterback if you need him to, although that's not his typical role. He's mostly a, uh, I believe, a Sam linebacker or uh, Will linebacker, mostly in coverage, calling the plays, um, knowing everyone's role within the defense. And I think he'd be a great leader for that defense. Jacksonville hasn't had a great linebacker, um, I believe, in, in quite some time, yeah. Um, i trying to think of the last guy that they had, and I think it was James Laronitis <laughs> uh, that I can think of off the top of my head. So, yeah, I think Kenneth Murray here for the Jacksonville Jaguars at 20 would be a great pick. 21st pick in the NFL draft, Philadelphia Eagles. I have them selecting wide receiver T. Higgins out of Clemson. And um, this may come as a surprise to some people. Um, T. Higgins is being ranked a little later in drafts but I think that Philadelphia they're they're always kind of interesting with receivers if you guys ever noticed that they don't always take the best one on the consensus board they take someone who they like and who fits you know their offense and Doug Peterson uh, Peterson he he likes to do things a little strange and I think T. Higgins is kind of an interesting pick because, yeah, you may have Alshon Jeffrey, who's kind of the sizable wide receiver on the outside. Okay, T. Higgins is comparable to him. But Alshon Jeffrey doesn't have T. Higgins speed and his over-the-top ability to catch the deep ball, I believe. uh, I think T. Higgins is just going to surprise people. And I think he'll he'll rise on people's boards uh, because he's a more more complete receiver and he has a better body of work. I mean, the the guy's pretty much just as consistent as they come next to a Judy and a Lamb. Um, and he's, he's not getting talked about as much when he's had three very good seasons. Um, I, I think that Philadelphia will take him here, and I think it, it may be surprising to some, but it wouldn't surprise me at all just based off of his size and athletic ability. I think he, he's a perfect target for Carson Wentz. 
All right, 22nd pick, Minnesota Vikings. And I have the Minnesota Vikings, uh, the 22nd, 25th pick, I have them taking a corner and a wide receiver, which is much needed, obviously, because they lost both uh, starting corners and they also lost their secondary wide receiver and Stefan Diggs by trading him to the Bills, which gave them the 22nd pick. So uh, in the 22nd, with the 22nd pick, I have the Minnesota Vikings selecting A.J. Terrell, Clemson, uh, cornerback out of Clemson. And strictly that's because... I think they feel with New Orleans lurking behind them that they're going to want a corner and need a corner as well, that they definitely want to go ahead and get their guy ahead of New Orleans and then double back to their receiver at 25 with not not really a need for a receiver for New Orleans or New England there at 23 and 24. So they can wait for their receiver at 25. Cornerback would be the more pressing need at 22. So I have them taking AJ Terrell, cornerback out of Clemson. And uh, 23rd, that will bring us to the New England Patriots. And I have them taking... Um, Caleb on chase on uh, outside linebacker LSU and I think this is potentially one of the steals of the draft and it doesn't surprise me coming to the Patriots um, this is about the 1B pass rusher after uh, after uh, excuse me Chase Young and um, oh my god why am I forgetting the other um, edge rusher um geez either way sorry about that I forgot but yeah either way um Caleb on chase on I mean he's he's a easily top tier pass rusher in this draft so I, I think that's an absolute steal if New England could get him at 23 um just wouldn't surprise me one bit I mean they've done that their whole franchise so <laughs> Bill Belichick at it again New Orleans 24th pick I have them selecting uh someone who's kind of out of the box here but someone I really like and that's Jalen Johnson cornerback out of Utah I really like this guy's game. I think it's more so a schematic fit and where he goes, more so what his game is at. If he goes to the Saints, I think he will succeed immensely. But if he went to somewhere where he was immediately asked to be the number one corner, I don't think it's going to work out as great for him. He's just not built like that. He's a great press guy, but it's going to be tough if he has to go up against, you know, a Julio every game, 15 times a game. So if the Saints take him and they already have some good secondary help, you know, you, you put him in a role where he doesn't have too much pressure, but he can perform at or above expectations. And I think that's why he makes sense here at 24 for the Saints. 25 for the Minnesota Vikings. Now I have an interesting pick here. Some people would, will agree with this. Some people would disagree with this, but I have uh, Minnesota taking Jalen Rager here wide receiver at a TCU. I just think his explosiveness, his ability to make plays after the catch, and his uh, agility, it really makes him an interesting uh, opposite to Thielen. It's almost similar to what Diggs had, but Rager is a little different in the sense that he's more of a running back after you get the ball in his hands. He's looking to have contact. He's looking to to make people miss. He's quick. He's agile. He He's very good on his feet. I think it's a nice pairing with Thielen, especially Thielen being a more tra- traditional, conventional receiver. You know, he doesn't bust off a lot of big plays. He, he definitely, you know, can have his big touchdowns and big moments. But I think you put a guy like Rager on the outside with Thielen, and I think the options there for Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings offense is limitless. I mean, this guy is going to be a Swiss Army knife in your offense. He can run the ball out of the backfield. He can catch screens. He can take it to the house with his speed. I think it's a very interesting pick, and for that reason, I have Minnesota taking Jalen Rager, wide receiver, TCU at 25. Now, 26, the Miami Dolphins. I've had them doing some. I've had them doing a bunch of things here. 
But over time, I've been kind of thinking about it, and I do think that they're going to go a receiver here. And let me explain why. A lot of people will expect them to take a running back at this position, and that's completely understandable. I, I definitely think they need a running back. But as I've been seeing the drafts fall, it looks like you know they, they have a lot of high second and third round picks. And if they wanted to wait and get a running back and potentially still get a Jonathan Taylor or J.K. Dobbins potentially or, you know, someone of that line, maybe not Swift because he is the best running back in the class, but one of those guys, they could definitely do it right after in the second round. They're still going to be there. And I think if you're Miami, you got your quarterback, you got your offensive lineman. I think right here you take a chance and you go on Denzel Mims wide receiver Baylor and you pair him with Devontae Parker and all of a sudden let's say you do get a running back in the second round your offense is immensely improved from last year with a Devontae Parker let's say a Jonathan Taylor a Tua and a Denzel Mims I think that's something I would be excited about if I was a Dolphins fan and the Dolphins coach or Dolphins GM and for that reason I do have them taking Denzel Mims at 26 here Seattle Seahawks, 27. Now, we all know the Seattle Seahawks are having some issues with Davion Clowney. Whether they will bring him back or not has yet to be seen. And for that reason, I think this is the easiest pick in the draft as far as positional need. They're going to go with an edge rusher. And I think that is uh, A.J. Espenza, defensive end out of Iowa. Very polished guy. Very Pete Carroll kind of guy. He's a very smart player. Just knows where to be at all times. And he gets after the quarterback uh, pretty, pretty well. He has explosiveness off the line that I've seen him play against Michigan and other uh, Big Ten schools last year. And he really impressed me. I mean, this guy's got a, a good motor skill that he, he does not give up on plays. And I think that's why the Seattle Seahawks would be a perfect fit for him. Baltimore Ravens at 28, and this is a no-brainer for me, um, and I think for the Ravens too if you're in this situation. You're taking Patrick Queen, linebacker at LSU. Uh, linebacker is Baltimore's biggest need, and with the third, potentially second, you know, depends how you view Queen and Murray. I have Murray ahead of Queen, but uh, you're potentially getting the second or third best linebacker in the draft, falling to at 28, which usually doesn't seem to happen too often. Linebackers are a hot commodity in the NFL for the most part especially effective ones that can stop the run and play pretty decent man coverage, which Queen has shown to do. Um, now, did Queen benefit from being on a great defense last year? That's, you know, that's definitely a valuable question that people will ask. Um, he didn't have to do as much in, in the defense, especially with their secondary being as good as it was. But uh, I think he's he's got a lot of talent, and, and I think all that's going to go out the window as soon as he steps on the field, especially especially if he's on the Ravens. I mean, that defense is already pretty nasty as it is, and you add him in there, he's just going to be he's going to be electric. Tennessee Titans at 29. Now, I have them taking Ezra Cleveland, offensive tackle out of Boise State. Um, Tennessee doesn't need a left tackle, to my knowledge, as much as they would need a right with losing Conklin. But I think Ezra Cleveland is versatile enough where you can throw him in at left tackle. Or if you potentially like him enough at left tackle already coming in, you can you can shift your lineup and you know make, make moves accordingly. But I think he is one of the best linemen in the draft. And I think if you're Tennessee losing Conklin, you got to replace that there. You already have a pretty good defense. You have wide receivers. You have a running back. You have your quarterback. So just take one of the best players available in the draft. Call it a day. Don't overthink it. And bolster that line. Um, Green Bay Packers at 30. Again, similar argument to Tennessee. 
Green Bay, uh, their defense, they could use some guys. You know, they probably could use a safety. They probably could use another pass rusher. But uh, here, I think that the thing that they need to do is address the tackle position. Um, I'd say you got about three, maybe four years left of Aaron Rodgers playing in his prime. And you need to protect him. I mean, last year he got sacked a lot, especially in the playoffs, man. He was not looking too hot there. Um, and that was not mostly his fault. That was because the line was just getting overwhelmed and pressured and they couldn't stop anybody. So I think they have uh, a good opportunity here to fix that, get one of the most versatile tackles in the, in the draft. And someone I really like that keeps falling on boards for some reasons, and that's Josh Jones, offensive tackle out of Houston. I really like this guy. I think he's going to be a player. I think for Green Bay, it's just a non uh, it's it's a it's just a non difficult decision. You just take him and you call it a day and you bolster that line and you come around and get a receiver when you're in 40, I think the 48 range or 58 range for the Packers. No big deal. Um, San Francisco 49ers at 31. And this is something I've kind of fumbled back with for a while. Um, initially, I did have us taking Jeff Gladney for a while cornerback out of TCU then I also had us taking um, you know Antoine Winfield uh, Xavier McKinney a couple guys but I I really feel like the Niners are pretty confident that their secondary has good depth Um, they they did resign excuse me um, Quan Williams and uh, I can't think of the Jason Verrett there it is sorry forgive me for that yeah they resigned Quan Williams and Jason Verrett and uh, Mosley stepped up last year. I mean, if, you, if you're a Niners fan and you watched Mosley, you will know that that guy deserves to be considered for the number two corner spot on our team next year, without a doubt. So I don't think the Niners are taking corner at 31. I'm just not convinced of it. I think what they do here is you just take the best player available. And to me, that's Yatur Gross Matos, defensive end, Penn State. I know Niners fans may not love the idea of drafting another defensive end, but this is a guy that could play over tackle also. So you can mix him in and he can play some defensive tackle packages if he gets a little bit bigger. But for the most part, even if he doesn't, what's wrong with having a good five, uh, five rotational pass rush, especially playing in a 4-3? There's nothing wrong with it. If you can get another edge rusher in this league, you will always do it, especially if it falls of value to you. And for that reason, I think this is a no-brainer for the Niners. You take Gross Matos, who I really, really like. I think that he's a victim of the big board being the reason why he's falling so late in drafts. I think if it wasn't for all the immense talent in front of him and what the teams need in front of him, he could potentially be a top 20, top 15 pick. He's that good. I think he's just got a lot of a lot of talent, and he's, he's a natural pass rusher. Um, and that will bring us to the last pick of the first first round mock draft. And I have the Kansas City Chiefs selecting Trayvon Diggs, cornerback out of Alabama. Now, a lot of people have been having Trayvon Diggs falling. Um, for what reason, I don't really understand. I thought he was about as good as they come last year on the film that I saw and from the gameplay that I saw. Did get burned a couple times. Uh, I mean, that's going to happen to every corner. No corner in the league doesn't you know get burned here and there that's just gonna happen sometimes you're gonna miss your spot or your your designation and it's gonna you know it's gonna happen um i do think he has great ball skills i think he's a pretty good uh, i think he's a better zone corner than he is man personally that's just this is just my opinion um and i i think with the chiefs you know you definitely need a cornerback so why not address stopping the pass 
get the guy you need. And arguably, he is the most talented or highest upside corner after an Okuda and Henderson. So, you, you know, you're not risking a whole lot there at 32 by taking him. But the potential give back that you can get from him at a 32 could be tremendous. And for that reason, I think he's worth the risk. I think you take that risk. And I think if you're the Chiefs, it's an easy pick. You know, you're not going to lose sleep over taking another talented corner that's going to help your defense. All right, guys. So hopefully everyone stayed with me this long. I've just made it to about 40 minutes. That is the first round NFL mock draft for 2020. I will be releasing some more um, mock drafts that will include the second, third, fourth, and fifth rounds. I don't think I'm going to get to doing a full six or seven round mock draft this year. But I will be following up with a second round mock draft after this episode. So tune in and I hope to see you guys next time. Thanks for joining. This is the For Good Measure podcast and this is Robert Goyne signing off for the day.